We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everyone and welcome back to another thursday edition of a pack a day podcast divisional round playoff thursday edition of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening thank you so much for making us part of your day well, we, we've made it. We are about 72 hours away from Packers 49ers in the divisional round of the playoffs. It is going to be cold at Lambeau Saturday night. It's supposed to be in the single digits, which is, you know, if you're going to the game, bundle up. If you're not going to the game, maybe, you know, just put a blanket on for everyone that's going to be there. So <laughs> stay warm if you're going to the game. Otherwise, and if, and by the way, if you are going to the game, uh, I don't, I don't want to harp on this, but be loud when they're on defense. And when they're on offense, we'll, we'll, that'll be when we can kind of sit down a little bit and relax. But be loud on defense. Be there for the Packers. Be there to support them. We didn't have fans last year in the divisional round, really. We had very few in the championship game. Uh, we, got, we, we need to help the team this year as much as we can. So, it is uh, very exciting. I know there's a lot of fan trauma been going on this week. Nobody wants to play the 49ers. It's the worst thing ever. The 49ers apparently won 15 games this year and ended up as the sixth seed. I get it, but uh, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna go a lot better than people are thinking on Saturday night. So uh, my name is Nick Schmitz. I'm your host, by the way. Not that anyone cares. I know nobody does. I, I know Jacob is smiling at the fact that nobody cares, but uh, let's bring in Jacob and Maggie to the show here, guys. Um, real quick thoughts before we dive into anything. We're, we're going to talk a lot about it, but just your first thought, uh, Maggie, when Sunday you found out it was going to be the 49ers, what was your first initial thought about the 49ers coming to Lambo this Saturday? Um, I think my initial thought was that so many of the games were absolutely terrible in wildcard weekend. So that was kind of a bummer after the Bengals Raiders started so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess to me, I've always kind of envisioned this playoffs going 49ers in the divisional round bucks in the NFC championship game for a shot at the Super Bowl for the LaFleur led Packers to kind of, uh, you know, get out some of those demons. So it was expected to me not to like rag on the Cowboys or Mike McCarthy, but they just didn't feel like a playoff ready team. 
And I know Jacob has his own thoughts on Kyle Shanahan and, you know, the choking that may or may not happen in big moments, but it felt like the Cowboys were undermatched or out, I get like out game planned the entire time. And basically from the first quarter, I think we all kind of gathered that the Niners were coming to Lambeau. Yeah. Jacob, your thoughts when you found out right away that it was the 49ers. Bring it on. I ain't scared of those guys. Like, why would I be worried about Sarah? Everybody all week spent time. And even during the game, like, People calling the game over in the first quarter. It was a one-possession game. Dallas had a chance to win the game at the end of the game, if not for a massive brain cramp by <sighs> Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and the umpire and the offensive line, and everybody basically involved with that final play having a chance to win the game. But every like they scored a touchdown in that first series, and I've got like five people right in a row like, yeah, I want no part of this 49ers team. Jason Perrone said it best on Monday on the Quick Slants podcast. There is no boogeyman. The Packers are the boogeyman because they're the best team in the sport. Doesn't mean they're going to win everything, but they're the best team in the sport. So give me the Niners. Let me avenge 2019. And then give me Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers and let me avenge the fraudulent GOAT and winning that NFC Championship game last year and route to the Super Bowl. Give me those guys. The revenge tour is on and let's roll. All right. Well, we'll certainly discuss more of that. Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Tell us the fraudulent GOAT. Tell us, say it, say it. Well, he's not the fraudulent goat. He just is yes, yes. the goat. No, he's not. Well, that's that's a conversation for a different day and a different podcast. But uh, so, real quickly though, to, I, I had to look this up, and I don't, you know, records mean so little. But just to to give any of you listening out there just a little bit of comfort going into this game, um, going back to. 1992 when Brett Favre took over as the starting quarterback of the Packers, the 49ers are two and nine at Lambeau field since 1992. So now granted two of those losses, one was in the playoffs and one was opening day back in 2012. So if anything, if you're still suffering from a little bit of fan trauma, know that since Brett Favre has taken over as the starting quarterback and then moving to Aaron Rodgers, things don't typically go well for the 49ers at Lambeau. So that doesn't mean it won't go well this weekend for them. We don't know. We got to wait. Yeah, but Nick, that history doesn't matter. Only thing that matters is 2019 and the two Kaepernick games. Those are the only things that matter when you talk about history when it comes to this Packers-Niners playoff showdown it's just those games that's it well right but two of those games were in san francisco so we'll, we'll have to wait and see but man i don't know about you guys i was talking to maggie before the show started i just want saturday to be here and kind of almost be done with so we can move on from all this fan trauma that everybody seems to be dealing with but uh real let's let's actually talk some packers news here so there was some news yesterday that came out um that seemed to be kind of surprising to everybody the packers uh cutting kingsley kiki um, just, you know, a little over 72 hours before game time against the 49ers. Kind of a surprise move, it seems, to everybody. So, Jacob, your initial thoughts when you saw the Packers cut him? Uh, yeah, it, clearly there's something more than, than meets the eye. Kiki's been a scratch, whether healthy or not, since week 15. Uh, and, and that was a surprise. When he was a healthy scratch, it was certainly a surprise because if you just look at from a sheer talent standpoint, He's the second most talented defensive lineman on the team, with all due respect to Dean Lowry. But after Kenny Clark, the most talented player on that defensive front is Kingsley Kiki. And it's somebody that you kind of have built your defensive line room assuming contributions from for the last two seasons. And now 
It's obviously not going to be around. I kind of had a, an inkling that if it got to the off season, that they wouldn't be building around the idea that Kiki was going to be around anymore. It's clear that whether concussions, him getting himself in trouble, which he did do one time, um, he's had some, it's just never really worked out in green Bay. Now the concussion part, obviously not his fault. It's the NFL. That's just the way the game goes. Um, but clearly something more than meets the eye. Matt LaFleur said a couple of weeks ago that when he was a healthy scratch, it was a, a very personal matter. And then Kenny Clark said he would keep a conversation with him private. So there's something more going on. Hopefully everything's okay. He's able, if he needs help, he gets the help that he needs. If he doesn't need help and he's just able to kind of land on his feet, but it's, it's unfortunate on the football field from the standpoint of, like I said, now you're looking at potentially more snaps for either Tyler Lancaster, who I know most people aren't too thrilled about, or TJ Slayton, who's a fifth round pick that just hasn't played a whole lot of snaps. So it was surprising. It it's surprising that it happened during the season. It would not have been surprising to me if it happened once the season was over, because they could have easily IR'd him or, you know, faked an injury and put him on injured reserve or something like that. But they didn't do that. So there's a reason they want to move on. They're just never going to tell us what it is. Yeah, well, and, you know, one of the things, too, that probably was part of the factor, I would assume, is that some of these guys like Zadarius uh, coming back from IR, their rosters, well, I mean, now with Kiki gone, it's down to 52 out of 53 as we're currently speaking. So they're needing to make a little bit of room. But Maggie, um, you know, surprised that it was him versus other players to make room for some of these guys coming back from IR? Yeah, I don't know if surprised is the word. I kind of feel like Jacob did where it seems pretty evident at this point that there was something going on beyond football, whether it was in his personal life or something that happened off the field. I know the concussions, you know, were a concern just regarding his own personal health. But I think if he was just dealing with concussions, the Packers would have been, you know, more lenient with that and kept him, you know, in house to monitor a lot of that stuff. So to me, I'm not entirely surprised since he's been a healthy scratch these last couple of weeks, but hoping that, you know, whatever he does need, he's getting the help for that. And um, I guess curious to see who the Packers think is the person that will step up in his absence, whether like Jacob said, Tyler Lancaster gets more reps, TJ Slayton gets more looks, you know, they protected a couple practice squad linemen this week. So it kind of felt like something was coming. We just, you know, weren't sure what until the release today. Well, and then two, is is the timing of this surprising to either of you, given the fact that, I mean, you're making a playoff push, Jacob, you mentioned, you know, him being probably the second best defensive lineman on the team. I mean, given the circumstances, I mean, to me, like I said, the only reason I could think of them doing it now as opposed to later would be just for, you know, you're looking to make room, but I mean, um, is, is the... Is, is is the time of year, Jacob, surprising to you that they're doing it, you know, a little over three, three, four days out from the divisional round of the playoffs? Um, I think that it is surprising because, like I mentioned, you know, this is something that if it had it happened in the offseason, it wouldn't have. You know, when you start talking about guys that Green Bay could cut to make room, to me, it just made sense of like, OK, Randall Cobb comes back. You cut Jawan Winfrey, wide receiver for wide receiver kind of thing move it that way z and whitney merciless come back garvin and tipa um an extra defensive lineman something like that and then jair alexander has been activated so they don't have to make room for him already but it just kind of made sense to do it that way with the waving of kiki now you're talking about kind of like maggie mentioned some practice squad players on the defensive line i, I mean they it, it always was this way 
but it's even more magnified now that if Kenny Clark or Dean Lowry roll an ankle, this defensive line room is in a lot of trouble and they're going to face a, they're going to play more looks with a lot of defensive linemen this week because of who they're playing against. You know, throughout the rest of the playoff run, if they're able to win on Saturday, then you're talking about teams that are probably going to spread you out, throw it a little more. So you play more of that nickel stuff. Um, something else they can do obviously, and we'll see how much they want to do this is put Sedaria Smith in a three point stance. That's certainly something they can do and something they've done a lot of since he's been here. But in terms of the timing, yeah, kind of like I mentioned in the previous point, if they had done it in the off season, wouldn't have surprised me. Does surprise me now because it just is like kind of a random out of nowhere shot just because we knew something was going on, but with the Packers draft pick that they've kind of built around and do some stuff like that, you tend to think they give them every benefit of the doubt. and Maybe they already did. Well, whatever it is that uh, Kingsley Kiki is dealing with, we wish him the best, um, both, uh, you know, in his future career in football and off the field as well. So, um, but, uh, well, let's jump into uh, the actual meat of the discussion today, guys. Um, looking at this Packers defense versus this 49ers offense, um, obviously the big thing when you're looking at the 49ers, you're probably looking at, Three kind of key pieces, Jimmy Garoppolo, banged up shoulder, banged up thumb. Some reports saying he may not play on Saturday. I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, and then you're also looking at George Kittle and Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel is probably the let, – let's springboard with that because that's probably the biggest one. So, Maggie, when you're looking at this Packers defense um, versus this 49ers offense, like what is it about Debo Samuel at this point – that makes him such a special talent and uh, a threat for this Packers defense that they're really going to need to contain. I think it's just the way that that offense is capable of spreading the ball around. You know, we saw this Packers defense struggle a little bit against Amon Ross St. Brown, who is like, you know, the, the light version of Debo Samuel, if that, um, and, you know, you could argue that the Packers weren't playing their best on defense and the lions were emptying their bag of tricks, but, we know Kyle Shanahan and the scheme that he has. So for Debo to be the backfield threat that he is, you know, he had, I think, 10 carries for like 72 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys. So you know that that threat is there. And I think one of the Achilles heels of the Packers defense right now is the run defense when they're not gap sound. And Matt LaFleur said that on Wednesday, you know, he said that it was something that the defense was really going to have to focus on getting every player to the ball, uh, gang tackling. And, you know, for the most part, the Packers defense has been assignment sure when it comes to tackling this season, but the, I think they're 29th right now in the league in run defense. So giving up like 4.7 yards of carry. So they just can't get Debo and Elijah Mitchell, you know, they can't let them get going because it is going to be cold. And yes, they have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to carry the load for the Packers backfield, but you know, it's going to be a long day on the ground if the Packers aren't able to contain any of their rushing lanes. Well, and Jacob, when we talk about, I mean, is Debo Samuel like it? it, it I, I hate to you know put it like this because football is a team sport, but I mean, if Green Bay can find a way to shut down Debo Samuel, I mean, is that kind of it then for the 49ers offense? I mean, I know we talk about George Kittle and he plays a position that Green Bay historically over the last several years hasn't covered well, but I mean, are, are you kind of just looking at Debo Samuel and George Kittle? And if they don't really do a whole lot, like where are the 49ers getting production from if green Bay can, can shut both those guys down? Uh, it's very similar to, you know, the question about Devonte Adams and the Packers offense. Debo Samuel, I said this earlier in the week, one of my biggest gripes with the analysis 
about this game is, oh, oh Debo's a terrible matchup for Green Bay. Well, Debo's a first-team all-pro wide receiver. That list includes Devontae Adams and Coop Cup. So that means the voters said he was one of the three best receivers, offensive weapons, if you want to include what he does in the backfield, in football all season. He is very, very good. So you cannot shut him down, I don't think. You hope to contain him. And if they don't have the ability to you know, completely shut him down but are able to contain him, you mentioned George Kittle. Brandon Ayuk has had a nice second half of the season this year. Jawan Jennings made a couple big plays for them this weekend. And Elijah Mitchell is fourth in the NFL at yards after contact as a running back. So they have some weapons on offense. The problem is the trigger man. Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe the worst quarterback left in the playoffs. And I know that, you know, there's only eight teams left. So it's not like that's a big bad thing to say. Then you add in, he's banged up, never played in the cold. And that right side of that 49ers offensive line is not very good. And you add in this Packers pass rush. If they're able to, they're not going to shut down the Niners running game. Like if, if Elijah Mitchell comes out with a Dalvin Cook 13 yards on 12 touches type of game, I'd be very surprised if that happens. They're going to get some yards on the ground. But can they get them into second and sevens, third and eights on a couple different, you know, series, and then unleash those pass rushers against an offensive line that I don't think can hold up against them. But they do have other guys if it comes down to that. Even Kyle Juszczyk, Juszczyk scored what would have been the game-winning touchdown against Green Bay the last time these two teams played, had it not been for some Rodgers, Adams, Mason Crosby-type heroics. So it's not just Debo, but that is the first name that you circle. So is it is it fair in a sense to to in the in the way of describing it is Debo is basically their Devontae Adams. Is that is that kind of a fair assessment of a way of looking at it? Yeah, I think so. That's he's a first team all pro. He's one of the best players in the sport. I still don't know how the New England Patriots did not draft him. It felt like a perfect match of player and typically things they like to do. But that's years ago in water under the bridge. And now he's here to torment everybody with Kyle Shanahan and company for the next five to seven years. <laughs> All right. Well, Maggie, Jacob mentioned uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback position, obviously very important. He's got a banged up thumb, banged up throwing shoulder. Um, there, there are some people saying that he may not play. Uh, let's start with just, you know, looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, who he is as a player. I mean, you know, go back to the NFC championship game. He only threw the ball eight times the last time we played in the playoffs. I'm assuming he's probably going to have to throw more than eight times, but I mean, talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and just kind of the, like what Packer fans should be looking for with him being as banged up as he is. I mean, are we going to see more play action from him because of that? Um, I'll probably see plenty of it anyway, given the way they run their offense. But I mean, what, 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 if anything should Packer fans be looking for, given that he is so banged up if he plays on Saturday? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. I mean, I think for the Niners to have a, a realistic shot at winning this football game, they need to play mistake-free football. And the last couple of weeks, that has not been the case for the 49ers. Yes, they won against the Cowboys, but Jimmy G didn't have a very large you know, hand in that. He had 172 yards total, no touchdowns, one pick for like a 67 uh, quarterback rating. And he's thrown five picks in his last three games. He's dealing with the shoulder injury, obviously the sprained shoulder to his throwing arm and then the thumb and you could tell once he hurt his shoulder, you know, some of the errant throws, he just wasn't as accurate, you know, as, as you would have hoped for your your quarterback to be in a playoff game like that. So I don't, you know, read into anything saying that Trey Lance would start or anything like that. They're not going to start a rookie quarterback at Lambeau Field in the divisional round of the playoffs. But, you know, I think, you know, the 49ers kind of have lived and died by Jimmy G this season and his ability to protect the football. He leads the team in fumbles. Actually, I think he's tied with Debo Samuel for, you know, the most turnovers on the team as far as fumbling. But the Packers are plus 13 in turnover differential and the, the Niners are minus four. If they can force Jimmy to make some of these mistakes with a, a thumb and a shoulder that's going to hurt in single digit weather, I think that's the key to winning the game is just, you know, I think the Niners are like two and six when Jimmy G throws a pick this year. So, you know, force some turnovers and win the game pretty handily, I'd say. All right. Well, and Jacob, given the injuries to Jimmy Garoppolo, um, I don't, you know, foresee Trey Lance making the start, but do you think that the 49ers put anything together for Trey Lance this week that he'll come in in certain situations, given that Jimmy Garoppolo is injured? Do you see anything like that possibly being something the Packers need to worry about? Uh Maybe um, just because I guess at this time of year, you know, anything is a possibility. You obviously saw the way the Packers played um, a couple of those trick plays a few weeks ago. But I mean, if you look at it, Trey Lance played 39 snaps in week four. He came in from injured Jimmy G started the next week. And then he started week 17 uh, where he played 62 snaps. Other than that, the most amount of snaps he played in a game was five, four and three respectively uh, down the line there. So, it just isn't really something Kyle Shanahan has done a lot of. Maybe he will just because of the Packers' history against quarterbacks like Trey. But I don't anticipate that being a thing. And if it is, I know this sounds sacrilegious based on the things you know with Colin Kaepernick and Russell Wilson and quarterbacks like that, but I'm just not that worried about it. Like if Trey Lance was ready to start and win and make big plays, the 49ers would have done that by now. Now they mortgage the future to get this guy in their camp. And they were three and five at one point. If he was ready, that is the time to make the switch. He clearly, at least in my estimation, based on the 49ers actions is not ready to do anything like that. So with Trey, it's like, they could do that. 
but I don't anticipate, you know, most coaches really struggle with doing the two quarterback system in the playoffs, especially when one play, you know, if Trey comes in and makes a rookie mistake that they feel confident Garoppolo wouldn't have made, that could be such a huge thing to swing it, swing this game in the favor of the Packers in a game that, I mean, it is a good matchup for the Niners and it's a good matchup for the Packers. That's kind of what's fascinating about the whole thing. Absolutely. Well, I know coming into the game, the big thing everybody's worried about is exactly what we're talking about is this Packers defense versus this 49ers offense. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that's really concerned about Aaron Rodgers and the offense not scoring points. It's just how many of those score and, you know, can the defense make some plays? But I mean, Maggie, when we look at this game, ultimately, is it fair to say that the game is probably going to come down to these two positions that we're talking about that that we we know that Aaron Rodgers is going to score points the offense is going to score points is it fair to say that this game for the Packers anyway is going to be decided by this defense and kind of what they allow Debo Samuel and this run game to do I mean is that fair to say and and then looking at the game as a whole like how do you see this game unfolding yeah, I mean, if, if Packers fans need optimism going into this game, the Packers are the only undefeated team at home this season, right? Like they're they're eight and zero. They are averaging like thirty one points per game on offense and only allowing seventeen points on defense um, through their time at Lambeau Field. It's going to be cold. The Packers, in general, are seven and one at home in Saturday playoff games, like in the history, ten and three on Saturdays. Just you know, in the playoffs as well. So I think, yeah, if the Packers are able to do what we've just talked about and containing that run game and, you know, forcing Jimmy to to throw the ball and make some mistakes in the air. If you're talking about Zadarius Smith coming back, that's going to help significantly, uh, you know, with, with creating pressure. Or maybe if they use him as a roaming nose a little bit on the defensive side of the ball um, with stuffing the run. You've got Jair, who it'd be really fun if he shadowed Debo, but I don't think that's something the Packers would do. It's not really Joe Barry style to have his DBs shadow um, receivers. So there, there's a lot of things for the Packers fans to be optimistic about, you know, as far as the team is concerned. It's an offense that's capable of putting up points, and it's a 49ers team that really lives or dies by some of those big plays. So eliminating much of what we saw from this Packers defense against the Lions in a meaningless football game would go a long way towards victory on Saturday night. All right. Well, Jacob, uh, real quick, how do you see this game unfolding and what is your prediction for this Saturday night game? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, it's going to be a, a little back and forth for a little while there, but ultimately Maggie mentioned the turnover differential earlier. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to put the ball in harm's way at some point. I trust Jair. Uh, I trust Rasul Douglas. As long as it's really not Eric Stokes, I trust one of our DBs to catch the ball. That's not a slight to Eric Stokes. His ball skills just aren't there yet. Maybe they won't be, but I trust those guys to do their thing. Um, you know, the other reality of this situation is, is if they, everything is in front of the Packers. They're at home. They have all their guys. Everyone's healthy, relatively speaking. And they're the best team. And if they are to lose a game against San Francisco because they cannot stop a running game, which I'm not saying running the ball doesn't matter, but it is very, very hard to win in the NFL by grounding and pounding and just grinding out. That's why a game like the one of the 2019 NFC Championship game is as big of an outlier as it is. That kind of thing just doesn't happen. If they don't win because of something like that, then they get what they deserve. And I really do think that this team is better than that. I think they're better than they were two years ago, obviously, when they took on this 49ers team. That's why they're at home. 
And ultimately, I think they're able to block Nick Bosa. If he is, in fact, able to play, I think they're able to block against those guys. And I think they have the ability to exploit the issues in the secondary. And something we didn't even mention because we don't have the offense. Everybody's talking about how big of a bad matchup this is for the Packers with Debo Samuel. The 49ers are the second worst team in the NFL at covering number one wide receivers. Devontae Adams, coincidentally, is the best receiver in football. Devontae, whatever, if you are into the the wagering of jelly beans and can get a player prop of Devontae, here's a free advice for you guys. Take the over. Catches and yards, whatever. Take the over. And take the prop of touchdown anytime. Do that. And then I think at the end of the game, you're going to have a, a sore ankle, Fred Warner chasing Aaron Jones and, and trying to tackle A.J. Dillon. That's the other thing. It's cold. Quadzilla gets activated when it's cold. I just think this team's ready to roll. And it feels like, and I'm sure if you play back last year's podcast, I probably said the same things, but it feels like it's their year. So I think Green Bay wins. I think they're up 31 to 20 with like a minute left. San Francisco scores a touchdown, doesn't get the two-point conversion, and Green Bay wins 31 to 26. 31-26. All right, Maggie, your prediction for a final score? Yeah, that's funny. Mine's pretty similar. Um, I had 31-24. And, you know, I I thought the Packers were going to be able to go all the way last season. But I just feel like we're witnessing a very mature Matt LaFleur as a head coach. He's in his third year. The first year, you know, in 2019, we talked about the Packers potentially having a defense and an offense that was still kind of struggling to put things together and learn the scheme. His second year, he had the best offense in football and a defense that just could not capitalize on opportunities. And this year, you know, with the way that this team has responded to adversity, the next man up mentality, the way that they are capitalizing on other teams' mistakes, they're protecting the football. It just feels like there's a growth here from this Packers team where we've seen them get down early in games and come back and win those games. So there's less panic, I think, from this team as a whole. So I think they're just a more well-rounded, more mature football team that really, like Jacob said, has all the tools to go all the way. And I know, you know, we've talked about this the last couple of seasons and what this Packers team realistically needed to do the win to win. But I think the only way the Packers lose is if they beat themselves at this point, because I think that they're the best football team left in the playoffs. I would agree. I'm going to say 34 to 21 Green Bay over San Francisco. So um, it'll be fun to watch, um, you know, get through the next couple of days here. Do what you need to do. If it means staying off Twitter to get over some of the fan trauma, just do that. But uh, turn off enjoy your phone. The- Trust me. It's one of the best things I've ever done during a game. Turn the phone off. Turn the phone off. There you go. You, you heard it from your from your sensei, Jacob. So uh, take that advice for what you will. But uh, real quick, uh, guys, people want to get in touch with you, follow your work. Jacob, how can they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and find me all week over at Game on Wisconsin. I just told my wife today that I'm looking forward to a whole lot of content between now and, and potentially Super Bowl Sunday. So Packers, do your part. All right, Maggie, people want to follow you, get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and then you'll find my writing for Said TV and my other podcast with Perry Goldstein, the Packs with Said podcast. All right. <clears throat> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining tonight. Um, again, we're about 72 hours away from, from game day, and it's going to be fun. Enjoy the game. And, man, I really hope one week from now I'm back here talking with both of you about a NFC championship matchup. And right now, I got to tell you, I don't give a damn who it is. Tampa Bay, L.A., don't really care. 
Just give me one of them. Although, you know, I'm going to say this year, I want Tampa Bay, and it's for a really stupid reason. It's because I don't want to be the team that loses two years in a row to the team that then goes and hosts the Super Bowl in their home stadium. So I don't want L.A. I want Tampa Bay for that very stupid reason. So with that being said, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the game. And as always, Go Pack Go.